do you want to just focus on TikTok and have someone pull those clips and make those style videos and you have a huge opportunity to go viral there? Or do you want to be everywhere and then edit it in the script and pull all those clips for all the different channels and sort of, you know, do a, a spray and pray approach? I don't think either of them is wrong, but you just got to decide what your goals are. Hey there, welcome to Brands That Podcast. Each week we talk with the people running podcast strategies at successful brands so you can learn how to grow your company through podcasting. Today's guest is Jonathan Barshop. He's responsible for all podcast growth at HubSpot, a company that needs no introduction. What is notable is that they've made major moves in the world of podcasting recently. They're building one of the most impressive podcast networks I've ever seen, acquiring top shows like Gold Digger and My First Million to join the network. I was eager to talk to Jonathan for a few reasons. First, so many brands are developing podcasts, especially this year it seems, but I don't know that I've ever seen any marketing teams dedicate an entire role to podcast growth. Second, podcasting is relatively uncharted territory for lots of marketers. I think sometimes we forget how much pre-existing infrastructure there is to help us understand things like paid ads, SEO, or conversion optimization. For example, if you wanna learn how to grow organic site traffic, there's a million guides you can read, but there are not many resources or people talking about how to grow listenership of podcasts beyond the basic stuff like keep going and have good content. Third, you'll be hard-pressed to find someone who has their ear so close to the ground on the podcast ecosystem as Jonathan. He's one of the smartest people on this topic that I know, so I thought you'd love hearing from him. And besides that, who doesn't want to know how HubSpot, arguably one of the most recognized brands in sales and marketing, is thinking about using podcasts to benefit and grow their company? In this episode, here are a few themes that you're going to hear. We'll talk about the paid and organic channels Jonathan has either used, is using, or has tested to grow HubSpot's newly acquired My First Million podcast. We'll talk about how a numbers-driven organization like HubSpot is thinking about attribution for what has traditionally been a dark, unattributable channel. We'll also learn about TikTok's effect on growing My First Million, how Jonathan thinks about attribution, what can be tracked right now and what can't, advice for other brands who are thinking about starting a podcast and loads more. I hope you enjoy. Jonathan, welcome to Brands That Podcast. Thanks so much for your time, man. You bet. Pumped to be here. Super honored and excited to have you. And first off, congrats on your new role. You run podcast growth at HubSpot and your official title is, if I saw this right, Senior Podcast Growth Marketer. Is that right? Yeah, I kind of... It's more or less that. It's kind of senior growth or senior marketing manager is my official title. And then I work on the podcast team. So I just combine the two. Okay, perfect. What does that role... I mean, it sounds straightforward, but what does the role entail? Is that like like one of the first things I was curious about when I saw it was, is it driving listeners to my first million or is it driving listeners to like eventually all shows in the HubSpot network? Yeah, so... I started in October. So my first like 100 day roadmap was grow my first million to a million plus downloads a month. They're at around like 700,000 downloads when I joined in October. And we hit the the million download mark. But with that, it was under the idea of like, okay, test a lot of things, you know, figure out what semi works because a lot of the things you test in podcasting is really tough to track. And then kind of build like a growth playbook from that. So that's, I guess, what I'm like three or four months in the process of doing. And then the idea is once we build that playbook, roll it out to other shows we're going to be launching. Okay. So basically hit the benchmark, like hit the goal of the million downloads. But while you're doing it, be tracking what's working, what's not, so that we can have like sustainable growth, utilizing those channels heavier after the first 100 days. So yeah, my first million, obviously, you know, uh, Eric, for anyone who's not familiar, our founder at Lemon Pie is a huge fan. I dive into like probably every three or four episodes. I really enjoy the show. I imagine a show that good, like it's just very like some of the most dynamic hosting, like you're going to hear in a podcast and some of the most interesting business content and guests. So I imagine that makes having content that good makes growth easier and is the plan to work on any other shows after that and like apply that to all of them then? 
Yeah, we're actually launching the, you know, the hustle, which is an email newsletter read by 1.5 million like tech business, you know, people in the entrepreneurship space space have probably heard of it. We're rolling out daily news podcasts at the end of this month, or I guess early February. So yeah, the idea is kind of take the learnings from my first million and then use those best practices to launch and like sustainably grow this next podcast and then so on and so forth. Or then launching Kieran uh, Flanagan and Kit Bonnard, the CMO and VP of marketing at HubSpot, they're launching a marketing podcast. So it's like kind of copy, paste, copy, paste. The thing about it is, is like, we're also building the plane as we fly and figuring out what works is, is difficult, but we've, you know, learned a few tricks of the trade and we'll be able to like, you know, dive into that in a bit, but it is tough to create like a super repeatable playbook. So we're just sort of trying to figure out what's working now and then, you know, double down on that. Yeah, you're like podcast growth now, I feel like is like early was like SEO, like early, early days. You're like, we're still trying to figure out like how this works and what works to grow it. Like now, if anyone gets hired for like an SEO role, there's tons of great blueprints for like how to go do this. And like pretty much the common thing I feel like you hear around podcasting growth is like have great content, have great guests you know, maybe run some ads, like, you know, try and share it on social. There's not like a ton of like organized structure. So I'm sure if it's, it's a big challenge you're undertaking. Totally, totally. But like you said, we do have great content, great hosts, a lot of resources to leverage through the hustle through HubSpot. So it's like kind of a playground in some respects, but also, you know, HubSpot's very data driven. So I have to back up some of these kind of like more ambitious tests. But it's fun. I'm loving it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm super excited for you. For anyone who doesn't know, Jonathan probably has a better handle on the podcast ecosystem than most people you're going to find. You just like you the someone who it's like how people are with NFTs, you are with podcasting. You're like, what is this? I love this. And you kind of like dove all the way in. So I'm excited to chat with you. Out of curiosity, before we get into some of the, the growth centered questions, the hustle newsletter, is that going to be what it sounds like? Like somebody essentially just like reading it audibly. So if people don't have time to read the newsletter at their desk, they can listen to it on their way into work or something? Kind of. It's going to have elements of that. But you know, if it was just uh, one of the writers reading through the email, it's it's not the most engaging. So it's going to be somewhere in between like Snacks Daily and, you know, a read through of that. There are also going to be like guest interviews. There's going to be panels, that kind of thing. But you can expect like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday uh, is just like a straight read through five, 10 minutes. And then other episodes might be like 10, 15, 30 ish minutes. But generally, it's just like news delivered in your ears every morning. Awesome. That's super exciting. Can't wait to hear that when it comes out. I'm going to talk with Alana like more about this at your team, but I'm curious, like, I mean, HubSpot's obviously making a huge bet on podcasting. Like the network is super impressive. For anyone who doesn't know, we're going to have a separate episode with the person responsible for growing that network and, and managing that network at HubSpot. But so I know you're going to be like ultimately responsible for like building out the playbook at, that grows the shows, but it's super interesting. Like, can you share anything? If not, it's fine. But can you share anything around like HubSpot's belief in podcasting or belief in audio as a channel or the like, what, what's the philosophy driving this huge investment in audio content? Yeah, hopefully I don't butcher this. I feel like Alana is going to be able to paint this picture a little cleaner than I am. But I think essentially, you know, HubSpot has this huge marketing brand, the huge blog that's like, you know, just absolutely crushes it. If you look up anything marketing related, you're probably going to see HubSpot on the first page somewhere. And basically, they kind of tapped into all the SEO juices they really could. I mean, there's still other avenues, but it's like they've really milked that for all it's worth. And so they looked at the ecosystem and were like, okay, what are other channels that we can leverage? And that we're just tired of renting space on and podcasting was the, kind of the biggest one. You know, YouTube's there as well, but um, that's a little bit bigger beast and that, you know, podcast is something that they've been doing also for the last like five, seven years. And so they had some experience there. And, you know, a lot of the content that they're making on these podcasts are transferable to the blog, to, to YouTube, you know, all these things. So it just made sense for it to be the kind of like, you know, cornerstone of all the other strategies that we're building out. 
That's incredible, man. Yeah, it's it makes sense. Like if they felt like not that they've saturated. Like obviously, I'm, I'm sure there's always more keywords, always higher rankings. But yeah, t- to that point, I think that makes a ton of sense. And like the two do play really well together. And like search seems to be prioritizing audio content or will increasingly prioritize audio content. That's awesome. So how does, like you mentioned this, HubSpot's very data-driven. Podcasting is, you know, stereotypically, traditionally, like a pretty dark channel for attribution. Unless you're going to like, have like we do like an open, how did you hear about us box and let people write in a submission. I feel like podcasting is like, does a ton of the grunt work of being some of the core touch points of why people come to check out your brand, but it never gets proper attribution. Cause like, you know, they'll hear a piece of software referred or read about it on G2, go listen to the podcast a few times, finally be, or hear about someone on guest interviews and be like, all right, I'm going to go check out that product. They Google the name and like SEO gets the channel credit or like direct gets the channel credit. So being such a data-driven organization, what metrics are you being held to when they think about growth? Like, how are they thinking about it? Is it like pure downloads and estimated like subscriber growth? Or is it, do they want to see like all the attribution coming from all these channels as well? And are you having to like think about that? Yeah, it's pretty much both. But, you know, the core of it is, is how can we tie like a cost per download to what data we can get. And so it is like downloads per dollar spent and subscribers per dollar spent. And the way we're tracking that is kind of like, you know, so if we're advertising on a podcast player, they give us, you know, data on how many clicks we got or how many listens we got. If we're doing it for host red ads, which, you know, is a big part of our playbook, you you have to use a tool like smart, uh, sorry, chartable smart promos. And, you know, the kind of best case scenario there is you get like a percentage of the traffic that's coming from one of those host red ads and kind of like industry standard or ideal industry standard there is to try to get that in like the three to five dollar range per download, specifically through smart promos. Because here's the thing is like, you know, you could pay $5,000 for a host red ad and it could perform super, super well, but you're only going to get a percentage of that data through chartable. So, you know, it might say that it's like a $5 CPM. Really, it could be like a two, $1 CPM, but you know, the data that we have handy just tells us it's five. So, so that's kind of like the benchmark and that's what Jordan Harbinger, uh, benchmarks to as well. He tries to get roughly in like the three to five, uh, dollar CPM for host red ads specifically, but ideally, you know, like across all of our paid, you know, strategies, the kind of like average CPM is in the one to five dollar range. Cause you can not to get too in the weeds, but you can pay, you know, 50 cents or less per listener, but you're gonna get very, very, you know, shitty listeners generally. It's it's it's, you know, it might not be like a click farm per se, but that's kind of what what we're seeing on some ends is like none of the listeners that we get from some of those campaigns that drive like, you know, a good amount of downloads almost none of them end up staying. And so still early testing of a lot of these things, but that's kind of the general philosophy. All right. So there's so many things I want to ask you. Okay. So, so I'll take a step back before we get to like overall channels that you're using. Specifically, it sounds like, so for people that aren't familiar, there's numbers of ways you can reach podcast listeners on shows they're already listening to and like get them to come on. So you're saying there's like, Sponsoring would be akin to like, you, there's just a show you like, you're pretty sure they're your target audience. You think that they would resonate with your show as well. You go and what's the idea essentially like strike a deal with them and be like, Hey, if you read this ad about us or recommend our show or whatever. Um, and then there, there actually is a way to measure that. Like for those like native host read things. Mm-hmm. And it's imperfect. And, you know, I've gone into the weeds to like kind of figure out exactly all the technicalities of it, but we don't have to like dive too in. But basically, yes, you can roughly attribute a download for someone who listens to your ad read. And the way the the TLDR of that is, is like if someone, let's say you're listening to Joe Rogan and you hear him promote My First Million, you hear that on your device at home, and then you go and check out My First Million, they can just through uh, a pixel, basically, they can see that you listen to that Joe Rogan episode and you listen to a My First Million episode within like, you know, 24 hour period, 48 hour period. And so they can attribute that. But where you run into issues is like maybe you have an ad blocker set up on your phone or 
you know, uh, iOS 15 is making it increasingly more difficult to track. Or this is another interesting one where it's like, let's say you hear the Joe Rogan ad at home, but then you go to walk the dog, you go to the coffee shop, you download the My First Million ad. Those don't get tracked as even or a one-to-one because uh, two different IP addresses. So there's a lot of like, you know, technical things involved. But so, you know, I actually reached out to Chartable to see what's, you know, if we run a host red ad, what is the percentage that we can expect to capture in Chartable through smart promos? And they, of course, didn't answer. You know, they didn't want to give me a hard number, but I would have guessed it's somewhere around like, I don't know, anywhere between like on a really bad performing one or a, let's just use an example where Darknet Diaries, like, you know, all the listeners of that show are probably like, indie, you know, hackers and stuff like that. So they probably have a ton of ad blockers. So you might only be capturing like 20% of that audience through tracking versus a normal show that maybe you get like 75. I don't know. So that's kind of the the back of the napkin math that I've kind of come to. Okay, dude, you do dive deep into this. I'm curious, like, oh, I guess another way to do it would be like for the stuff that's like super dark where people have all the ad blockers on and are switching IP addresses. I guess you could also look at like what you're, if you're not doing any other tests, what your month, month over month growth has been. And then like you run that and you're like, oh, okay, we went up about like an additional five or 10% this month. Okay. So again, like, going back to basics for people that are just thinking about growing their show. So this specifically, this channel is a way of talking on other shows is through sponsoring where you're like getting them to do native ad reads. You're identifying the show. The other one you mentioned was, is it, it's called self-serve. So basically like you're going to like one of these other podcast players and you're, it's kind of like running Facebook ads or Google ads, right? Like you're identifying shows. Do you get to select the shows that they're listening to? Well, so for... Podcast player ads, those are just like banner ads in the podcast player. If you've ever opened up Overcast and you see an ad for a recommended show, that's, you know, one example. Yeah. So usually it's like a banner ad on a pop on a podcast player. So there's no like self-serve, like, I'm curious about that. Like, is there like, let's say you wanted to, or let's say like, I wanted to record a 30 second spot for lemon pie. Can I like, same with Facebook, can I go like upload a 30 second audio file and there's like a hundred shows that are just have open slots and I can pay like, there's like a bidding platform and I can just insert it dynamically into whatever's open that month. Yes. So I think there's some tools that are trying to make that process like super easy. One that comes to mind, and I might butcher the name because it's got some weird German name. It's like Vooks or I think it's like V-O-O-X. I might be getting it wrong, but they have something like that where basically, like you said, it's like you say, I have a whatever, like thousand dollar budget and I want to buy host red ads on these types of shows. You can filter it and it'll spit out like your options. Basically, it doesn't have, you know, every podcast on there. Obviously, it's, you know, a directory of the ones that they work with, but it's pretty robust and it's pretty cool. So I definitely check that out. But what you're talking about, if you wanted to make it, you know, simplified version of like you just create one ad and you just want that to run across an entire network. That's what basically like Spotify, iHeart. That's what those uh, companies specialize in is, is like run of networks ads is what they call it. Okay. And it, I mean, has Spotify, I haven't seen anything. I'm not up to, as up to date as you on this stuff. Has Spotify opened that up? Like where businesses can just go run ads now? Yeah. I think they have like a minimum you have to spend and all that, but yeah, they have, you know, a platform where you basically run an ad across their network of shows in the Spotify audience. I think it's, <clears throat> sorry, I think it's called the Spotify audience network, or you can, uh, th- what they just released actually this past week is you can now do like display ads. So if you've ever opened up a Spotify and you've gotten hit with like a check out this album or whatever, you can now do that, which I think is really interesting. I don't know. I haven't looked into it enough to know like what the dollars and cents come out to if it makes sense. But I think that's a test we're definitely going to run in Q1. And then I want to say they have like one or two other options, but that's those are the kind of two core ones that they offer. So have you ever used the self-serve like within Spotify? Yeah, or so we ran like some tests in Q4. And, you know, I think generally run of networks are great for like brand recognition. But if you're trying to get new listeners, you know, think about it. it's like kind of like a radio ad, like what percentage of people actually go check out that car dealership or, you know, the, you know, the car dealership or whatever. And I think that's kind of that the same thesis with like run a network ads for a podcast, especially I mean, especially with a podcast where it's, you know, harder to really convert a listener. But 
yeah, those haven't proven to be super effective. So we're probably going to shy away from them. And that's basically like, I would imagine your ad is something like, hey, listeners of like, well, can you do it per show then? Or is it like you just have to pick demographics and it'll serve them? Yeah, you basically, I mean, maybe you can get like an A-B test where you try one ad set, try another ad read and kind of like run them together A-B test. But generally it's like, yeah, you you create an ad, it runs against all the shows for a specified period of time. Once you hit that like impression cap or, you know, the number of people who listen to it, then you've used your budget and on to the next. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it'd be super. I mean, like if you could select and bid to the top for like specific shows, I would imagine those could be a lot more compelling because you'd be like, hey, like, you know, it would be like serving, I don't know, like I long ago, like working for a client, I like served Reddit ads to like a specific subreddit and you're able to be like, hey, like sub, like, hey, bourbon lovers, like, and to like speak their language and stuff. But I guess like, I mean, the good thing is, right, for people listening, like, whereas running ads on like, getting super targeted on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or something like that, you at least know you're getting podcast listeners. Like this is an audience that enjoys consuming long form content. It's just a matter of like, is your show compelling enough for them to come over and check it out? Yeah, totally. I think there's some other cool things you can do with like Facebook ads to drive downloads that we're going to test this quarter. And I mean, the the, the long and short of it is, is I would go if I were you and kind of interested in that world, I would go check out a guy on YouTube named Andrew Southworth. He's like probably the sharpest dude I know in terms of reverse engineering how to grow your listenership on Spotify. And he's a musician, but I think the same tactics can work for podcasters. And so what I'm looking very closely with what what he's doing is basically like run Facebook ads to some sort of like engaging visual via Instagram stories, and then get that person to convert to this toned in page toned in is this like intermediary tool that basically is really good for tracking listeners going from Facebook to this page to then your podcast. And so we haven't tested it at all. I've just been like nerding out on all the all the, like the details with it. But I think that's, a, you know, Facebook ads towards a podcast is very difficult. But this guy's proven he can figure out how to grow his listenership on Spotify. So I think there's something there, but still early stages of figuring that out. Yeah, it's super. I mean, it's like you knew there's going to be a lot of players in this area because this is something like all marketers most marketers want these kind of numbers and want it like want to be able to tie dollars to downloads and subscriber growth. But yeah, that's super interesting. We'll make notes in the comments if anyone's listening. We'll uh we'll retroactively go back and find all these podcast nerds he's talking about and we'll link to them there. All right. So zooming out from that a little bit, those are the two channels you mentioned, right? Like so essentially like go sponsor specific shows. So that's the way of like you if if you do want to go after a specific show, you could go reach out to them, see if they'll do a, a read. Actually, I guess before we leave there and kind of zoom out to all the channels you're using, last thing would be any advice for people that want to test that out? Like, have you, I would imagine it's like testing different like headlines or, you know, or different, like, is there an approach that works better? Like, I I know we've read reports that's like a host read ad that's like really organic versus like them reading a script or versus like them playing an audio clip of you would be like, if it comes as like a hearty recommendation to your point, it's like the difference of like, I've heard ads where... Joe Rogan's just like reading it or Spotify like autoplays it versus when he's like, guys, I use this product. I use it every day. It's like, that's, you know, way more effective. Have you come across any interesting learnings as far as your tests there? Like, hey, this worked a lot better when we did blank. Yeah, this again, has been three or four months into the the whole process, but definitely a lot of learning. So like, you know, we've actually talked to Jordan Harbinger because, you know, this is the crux of his playbook, right? And so... He's got a script that he just sends everyone. And and if you go to jordanharbinger.com backslash talking points, you'll see the script. And like, you know, you don't have to read through it all. But the key things that he makes sure to call out are at the very end, he says, listen, wherever you listen to this pod or listen, wherever your uh, podcast player of choices, like Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And he leaves it open like that, that way. You know, if he tries to drive to his website, I don't know. He, the guy's just tested everything and he's discovered that that's the best CTA at the very end. He also has each host recommend at least one episode, if not two, and call out the specific episode name. So that's, you know, another piece of it. And then 
generally like he's been in a really good position because he's built so many relationships with podcasters over the last you know decade of of you know hosting and so he can get a lot of those genuine adderies just because he's got connections with them what i've noticed in the last three months of like sending scripts or whatever to hosts if you leave it too open-ended they're not going to know what to do with it and it's not going to turn out well if you make it too scripted then it's going to be too scripted and it's not going to turn out well. So it's like, I'm still trying to massage and figure out what the the best medium is. But if you know, like you're this podcaster that you want to work with, like knows and loves your product, then that's the best place to start because you don't have to like really work on that script and, and work it out. That's obviously like the, you know, needle in the haystack. So if you are sending over a script to someone, it's like, definitely take a look at Jordan's talking points, but kind of, you know, think about it in that way of like, what's scripted enough to where they don't miss any of the key things and what's not overly scripted to where they can like still freestyle a bit. And one other thing I'll mention is like, specifically for my first million ads, it's like, okay, how do you differentiate it? You say it's a business show that Sam and Sean are both built these huge companies and they've sold them and they talk about cool business ideas. But, you know, having heard the ad read a few times, I'm like, okay, what's the most interesting nuggets here? And whenever they mention, like, they talk about how to buy Michael Jordan's home and sell it and, and turn it into a museum or whatever, like those types of things really get, grab my attention. And so what I realized is like, okay, rather than giving the host like a laundry list of episodes to choose from, let me just pick like three that I know will play well in an ad read. And then if they want to like expand on it, great. But if they just mention, hey, they bought Michael Jordan's home or they want to buy Michael Jordan's home and turn him into museum, it would still turn out good. Yeah. Okay. So this is a super exciting idea. Like having them mention a specific episode and like why they like it is super compelling. Like that definitely like, I think that's super interesting. That would get my attention. I know as a, as an avid podcast listener, a lot more than like, Hey, here's another show for you to go check out. Cause the, the moment you hear that, you're like, I'm all stocked up on shows. Like I have one for my commute, one for my walks, one for my, like, it's like, I'm all done, but like, Oh, like I'd go give an episode a listen. And you know, if, if I could hook them in, it also makes me think, I, have you ever heard anything like this? But you know, like you are able to reverse engineer this with yourself because like you're a big fan of the show and it makes me think like have you ever two ideas for anyone listening who wants to try this would be like one would be go find like you know offer an amazon gift card to like your top listeners like you know on the next podcast be like hey go to this url and submit this like tell us you're an avid listener show us stats from like the podcast player we'll give you a 50 dollar amazon gift card and just record a 30 second thing on your phone of like why you like the show that'd be a cool idea just to be like that like play that as the ad, you know what I mean? And then a second thing going along with that is like polling your audience to be like, why did you subscribe to my first million? Like, why did you, or, you know, any, any show, like, why do you enjoy this show and leading forward? Like, so reverse engineering and saying, we've found our top listeners, then pulled from them the things that they most enjoy. Then we hold them out in the ad so that like we attract more of the same. So just what it's making me think. All right. So zooming out, What's like a list of all the things you've tested or I know, again, like I know you're super early days with this and there's a long way to go, but besides those podcast sponsorships and like self-serve podcast ads, what else have you tried? So we ran a lot of YouTube ads last quarter and that was honestly because we had, we, because we had an extra budget. <laughs> like I don't think running YouTube ads is the best way to grow a podcast. It was honestly also a test just to see what kind of results we could get drove a lot of, you know, views and, you know, got a decent amount of subscribers from that. But, you know, to varying degrees, like how good are those subscribers? Are they like, you know, genuine fits for the type of audience that HubSpot's trying to attract all that stuff, like big question marks there, but it did drive decent numbers. So that was one big play. We did podcastnotes.org, which is, you know, a popular blog. They do write-ups on your show hard to track results, but just good like branding play and, you know, good to get, you know, they cover anything from like Joe Rogan to Peter Tia. So it's like on brand with the type of listeners my first million has. Um, sorry if any of the, this is too in the weeds, but yeah, Spotify, a few Twitter ads, giveaways, giveaways was a big one. We ran like three or four giveaways and, you know, I think it's, my first million, their audience is very rabid. And so we can really like say something and, and make things happen quickly, which is awesome. So 
I don't know if this would work for everyone, but basically, you know, some of the giveaways we ran were a reviews contest where Sam and Sean and whoever posted on Twitter saying, Hey, go leave us as many, you know, reviews right within this like 14 day period. And the goal with that was to try to drive uh, up the charts. And, you know, I should have known this ahead of time. I think I did, but it was still just a fun thing to test. But uh, reviews don't really drive charts at all. So they're good vanity. But I mean, almost positive on that. It's like, almost entirely subscribers within a short period of time and then downloads and listen rate and all that stuff is sort of secondary but number of subscribers over a short period of time is the biggest driver there so we did that early that you know we got a 300 plus reviews in like 14 days which is incredible but didn't you know like really move the needle then we did a more dialed in like okay you can win 60 minutes with sam and sean if you follow us on Apple Podcasts. And that worked. We we got to like the number four spot in the entrepreneurship category, like 15 on business. But it's hard to do that really well. Basically, you need to get as many people to follow your podcast within a really short period of time. And when you're going up against like the Tim Ferriss of the world and stuff like that, those numbers have to be really impressive. And so we got you know, top 15, which is amazing, but we didn't get to that like top five spot, which we were hoping for. So what we're probably going to retool there is like make a more dialed in concerted approach to just drive as many downloads as possible, or sorry, subscribers as possible and and really nail that. So that's something where else else we're toying with. And then we did a eclipse contest at the end of the year, which was like a crowdsource, like, hey, take a few moments from my first million and turn them into 15 to you know 120 second clips for TikTok, for IG, all that stuff. And our audience like we just went just ran with it and like made a few videos that went viral, which was really cool. We ended up hiring the guy who won the clips contest and now he's making TikToks for us, which is a cool story. So that was just, you know, sort of another just general branding play, but uh, those are some of the key ones. And then for this launch coming up for uh, the Hustle podcast, you know, we're going to be leveraging all the channels, you know, HubSpots, Hustles, all that stuff. But it's mostly entirely going to be driving to a giveaway. And the, and the reason is, is because of what I just said. It's like we're trying to get as many followers within a very short period of time as possible. So when we launch on February 2nd, as many people download as possible, we climb at the charts. It's, you know, a pretty, you know, thing we can put on our website, all that stuff. And that early momentum, I think, will like help us. It, it, now, you're not going to sustain that. Like if you have a really great launch and you get into the top, say, like five or whatever, that, that's great. Definitely take a screenshot, but it's probably not going to be long term. But having that as a marker and sort of being able to use that for, you know, if you're trying to land bigger guests and all that stuff, that's important. So, yeah, man, what an incredible everyone listening could just like go back, reverse it and take notes and try each one of these things for their business. So, yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense. It's like, it's so funny, right? Because like reviews is like everyone's call to action at the end of a podcast, like leave a review, leave a review, leave. And then, but it makes sense. Like I know in the SEO world, like, like traditionally the way it seems to have played out with the algorithm, like with, with Google is like anything that can um, be manipulated will be, and so should be deprioritized. And I felt like that's always where like Spotify seems to be the same, like just driven by like, you know, probably some combination of like listens over days or listens over months, subscribe, like subscriptions or favorites or something like that. I'm sure they're tracking like clicks of like link shares and stuff. I know an important metric that I haven't really like highlighted is, is listen time, but you know, it's impossible to know exactly how big of a pie that has in their algorithm, but I know that's important, but yeah, that is that like listen like total minutes listened or a percentage of an episode finished kind of a thing percentage of an episode finished and like your average across all your episodes so you want that to be as high as possible obviously but i don't know how much that's weighed in the algorithm it seems like for whatever reason at least on apple like follows is the main thing and then you know downloads within a specific period of time like is a secondary thing but seems to be follows mostly all right. I have a couple questions about that, but you mentioned TikTok. So I'm just going to go there now and hope that I remember to come back. So, all right. TikTok, I'm super interested in. I enjoy TikTok and uh, I was checking it out and it's super interesting. It looks like there are over 15 My First Million Clips channels 
on TikTok. I'm I'm guessing you all only own like one or manage like one and the rest are just fans that have created well, them. Well, we just bought one from a fan. So technically none of them are ours. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So like for anyone listening, here's something super fascinating about this. Uh, and this will bleed into a, a philosophy question I have for you about the way you're thinking about growing. So I'll, I'll do my best to tie the two together. So at MFM Snips, my first million snips has 29,000 followers, TikTok, like followers on TikTok just from clipping it. It has 260,000 likes. And then basically it looks like the the link in bio is like a link tree, which lets which lets people go view you on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Then, like I said, there's like 15 other clips channels. So a few questions related to TikTok. One is, it made me think like, that's such a huge audience consuming my first million content natively on TikTok. Is your, like when HubSpot's asking you to drive growth is like, for me, like in a head of marketing role, I'm like, well, I'm fine if they never come over and check out the podcast like in long form, as long as they're like, I'm getting my brand out in the place where they want to be. If they prefer those, prefer like the opposite of podcasts, like super, super short snippets. I'm, I'm really okay with that. Do, is that like, is it purely for you? Like trying to get those TikTok listeners over to the podcast as much as possible over time? Or is it, or is it kind of viewed internally as like, Hey, like, let's just grow TikTok because like whether they consume 60 minutes or six seconds, they're still consuming something that HubSpot is behind. Yeah, I wish it was the latter. I, I mean, I think there's a ton of value in that, right? It's just like building the My Persimilion brand, which in turn builds HubSpot's brand. But for like the numbers that we're being tracked against, it's it's all about how many people listen to HubSpot ads in our audio feed. And so that's getting them from TikTok to the RSS feed is important for that reason. Okay. Do you know if there's any play? I mean, you don't have to show us if you, if you can or if you don't know, but like, is there any play to like, just somehow give a subtle like nod to HubSpot, like in those clips, like natively, like versus like losing people over that transition or that bridge? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely an option. I think if people are enjoying My First Millions content enough, they will go check out the, the site. That's kind of the idea is like, you know, eventually you're going to be like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, what is this? You go check it out. And then, you know, ideally you become like a lifelong listener. And the, you know, I think there's, there's areas where we could like test that and like do a, a subtle nod to HubSpot. But I think that would probably hurt us in the long run because ultimately an organic fan that comes through and just becomes a diehard listener in the RSS feed is super valuable versus like maybe sprinkling a few ads here and there. Yeah, that's super helpful. That's a good clarification. And then Instagram, I mean, a similar thing is is the same idea. Like you're just basically taking the best moments, chopping them up, putting them out on Instagram. And then same thing, like over time, the people that are compelled enough will come over and then hear of HubSpot and kind of become like diehards within the, the podcast channel. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Super interesting. Have you had any way to track how many... Like, how is there any way to measure that? Like, have you like TikTok to podcast subscribership? Yeah, see that that's a whole another thing is like, you know, because I'm still new to this role and stuff like that. I'm I'm learning like, okay, everything has to be pixeled and like what's actually allowed to be, you know, tracked. You have to have cookie, you know, consent forms on every page, like all this stuff like is a lot. And so I'm pretty sure there's a way you can pixel a TikTok listener to a page like chartable to then see, okay, what was their next action? Did they listen on this player, that player, whatever. So yeah, I'm pretty positive. There's a way to do that, but there's other, you know, I guess what I'll say is like, I'm still early to that world trying to wrap my head around it, but I'm almost certain you can, can track TikTok listeners to a podcast. If you, you know, have the proper, you know, things set up in place. Okay. What would be like, do you have a guiding principle on when you go to share content on other platforms to try and like, it sounds like generally the play is take insightful, valuable moments from the show, share them natively, contextually in ways on, on platforms your audience is hanging out on and likes to consume on. And over time, like you said, they'll be like, who are these guys come over and check it out and, and become subscribers. How are you identifying is it more art than science? Is it like art over algebra or a mix of the two? Like, how are you identifying the moments to share? And I know this is something 
I'm curious, I'm asking because a lot of companies that are listening, like a lot of, I, I know what I'm seeing a lot is companies that want to outsource this aspect. And I think this is like a really important part that they shouldn't outsource, but the tendency is to be like, well, we did the hard work of recording the episode. Now just send it off to some shop that's going to like clip it up. And it's like, but they don't know your audience or like these like, whoa moments, you know? So how do you all think about that? Yeah, that's been very tough to do. I think, okay, so yeah, I think there are diamonds in the rough that you work with them. They can, you know, get up to speed on like your brand voice and all that stuff. One I'd recommend is Daily Growth Machine uh, with with Sean Wes. I feel like they do a really, really good job. There's other versions of that out, that out there. But, you know, to varying degrees, like what's the budget and all that stuff. If you're trying to do it more in-house, I, you know, I think it's possible to find like that right person who can find some of, the, some of those clippable moments, but I think it'll always be a collaborative effort. And so the way to bridge that gap is use a tool like Descript and then find someone who has like a nose for good clippable or just has a nose for sort of like editing in that tool specifically. And then you can more or less guide them because there's like common features. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Descript is an audio recording platform that then transcribes what you're saying into text. And then you can edit that text like you would a Google Doc, which makes it it's the best tool I've ever used in my life. I, I'm obsessed with Descript. And Basically, that would be my workflow is record it into script or upload it into script. And then you can go in there and mark through it like you would a Google Doc and say, hey, this is a really great moment here. Then have someone that you either train up or has an ear for that type of thing and then have them actually pull the clips. And then, you know, from that step, like they I guess they'd have to have a little bit of editing chops, but you can actually do a surprisingly cool amount of stuff in the script. So if you find someone who who just gets up to speed on the script specifically, I think you could get a good enough quality content out of that, that it would sustain, you know, for a period of time. And then if you want to level up, then maybe go to an agency, et cetera, et cetera. And you could, so yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. We, we use it as well. Like, so what we'll do is like Claudia will go through and like, you can actually highlight like text, like it creates a trans for anyone, like Jonathan said, if you're not familiar, it creates a transcript for you when you upload the audio file, select the bits that you like as like, oh, that's a gold moment. And then you can spin those out. You could also probably send those clips to a place like Growth Machine, right? Like you could just be like, here's my descript, I'll comment it up and they'll do stuff. So that's the ideal scenario that we've, you know, Growth Machine is actually very kind of tough to work with in that respect, like because they vary set up in their processes. But most of them do it. So not applicable, but basically, yes, most places are happy to do that and work with you in a tool like that because it makes their life way easier too, right? Like they're not having to, you know, go through and edit all the cut cuts. You're identifying them for them pretty much. Yeah. It's like, it's just so interesting. I think it really requires, I agree. Like I think a good agency could do it. I just think it needs to be either an agency that's going to really take the time to get inside like the sh- you know to wear the shoes of your listeners and really like think about it from their perspective or have a really good like list of um you know like marching orders that that you give or i think it's super crucial to have someone like you know claudia is awesome on our team who does that for us and like she's very in tune with like okay this is what the audience wants this is what they find relevant let me chop up these moments but yeah that's helpful i think it is some mix of like art and algebra like there's just moments where like if you ever listen to like dave gerhardt's podcast he'll literally like interrupt and be like clip that like this is a like this is a moment you know that's really totally yeah I think for what we're talking about, like if you just need someone to go and pull clippable moments, like that's a great solution. If you're wanting something that's like has more virality on a place like TikTok, that's where the the art really comes into play. Because if you look at the TikToks that have gone viral for my first million, those all probably took like at least three hours plus of scripting and kind of like, you know, identifying and, and pulling in like the B-roll and all that stuff. So that's not a light lift by any means, but it it's doable as, as like, you know, you can see through this clips contest, we had 15 pages created. We had like three of them uh, get like 30,000 subscribers over 30 days, which is nuts. It's a lot of the videos got like millions of views. And so it's doable. But I think, like you said, it's like context specific. How do you want to just focus on TikTok and have someone pull those clips and make those style videos and you have a huge opportunity to go viral there? Or do you want to be everywhere and then edit in the script and pull all those clips for all the different channels and sort of you know, do a a spray and pray approach. I don't think either of them is wrong, but you just got to decide what your goals are. Yeah, no, that's a helpful framework. And like, like pros and cons, like trade off of it. Um, Because it's easy for people to be like, 
oh, they just like pulled a clip and, you know, went viral on TikTok. It's like, well, no, there were like eight hours of work that went into one clip that we bet on and it could have flopped. And that would have felt like a lot of wasted time. What like the last thing on this route is like what overall I've got some questions like more advice related questions, people that are trying to grow more what you see as like standard B2B shows who might be listening. But before moving to those, my last one would be what I guess in summary are like, has either been the most, the best growth channel for you all. And then like piggybacking on that, what would be like the first three you'd start with? Like if you, if you weren't doing it necessarily for my first million, like let's say you're, you know, like you're at some like, you know, series A, like SaaS company, and there's 500 downloads a month, a thousand downloads a month, but like, what would you do to grow that? Yeah. I mean, every tactic I've said so far is all paid. I haven't even touched earned, you know? So like guesting on podcasts, as, as you well know, that's a, that's a big one. Finding cross promos where, you know, basically you promote your show on, on that podcaster's podcast, vice versa. That's another big one. Um, all of those, uh, earned plays, like those are all great and, and very effective. But if you're like, let's just say you have $10,000, a budget to spend like this quarter on your podcast, host rate ads are going to be prohibitively expensive. So I wouldn't recommend that you'd only be able to buy, you know, like five to 10 of them, or at most, I would say probably way less because you sort of have to buy them in packages and stuff like that. So I would say stay away from host rate ads unless, you know, you really want to like test that out and see what's what, you know, I think this Andrew Southworth play for someone who has the time to like dig into Facebook ads and like wants to nerd out on, on that stuff. I think that is a really great opportunity. It's not crazy expensive, but you also be spending like five, $10 a day to test these different things. And so and, you know, if your podcast isn't great, that might not be super effective. But I think that's good to look into if you're on a budget and know that whole world of Facebook ads and stuff like that. You know, giveaways, that's a great way to drive some like quick momentum. You know, that would be like a flat fee of like, let's just say you give away $5,000 in prizes. So that would eat a lot of that, you know, budget. But if you're trying to rank really high and get a specific goal for that, you know, short period of time, then that's a really great way to spend that money. And then, you know, you can buy on the the podcast players and stuff like that. But I don't think that's going to be the best bang for your buck. I think like save your shekels by the script, like kind of figure out that workflow and then go the route of like testing a few Facebook ads just to see if that could be a viable option. Guests on other shows, find cross promos. And then, yeah, I mean, then you have some budget to play around with and decide like, what could I funnel back into the quality of the show to make it better? Guessing on other shows like, would you recommend the play there then is like, instead of kind of giving the pure, like the primary call to action as like your company's URL at the end and driving people to that, you'd be like, when people are like, well, where can they learn more about you? That seems like that natural place to play that like, oh, well, we run a show that talks more about this. Cause you, I would guess like ideally, like you're talking to the same audience on different shows. And so you're able to be like, we actually run a whole podcast around this. If you're interested, come check it out. Totally. Yeah. And just like you would have hosted an ad, I think you treat that in the same way where you drive them to a specific episode or two, maybe a landing page. Landing pages don't have the best conversions, but I think that would be worthwhile is to try to drive them to like, hey, we've got a greatest hits episode with sort of the best moments. If you like what you heard here, go check that out. Or, hey, I know y'all are really into sales and marketing. Like I interviewed this person. We dive all into the behind the scenes stuff on XYZ. Check out that episode, blah, blah, blah. Like you touched on, this is something I missed earlier. Are there any, like you all have a pretty robust website for my first million that like, that would also be something like, I don't see a ton of brands that are just starting out, put enough emphasis on is like one central place that features like your best clips, resources, the episodes, the show notes, like all that stuff. The My First Million website is really solid. Have you experimented at all with any like trying to get listed on any like uh, best of lists or like roundup lists and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, those are great. I mean, we have, you know, hiring a PR agency to do a lot of that stuff is sort of where we're at with it. But if you have the time and resources and want to go that route, like, yeah, definitely submit yourself to, you know, publications to try to get featured, especially you know, be very mindful of like their content calendars. So we got Black History Month coming up. We got Valentine's Day coming up. Think about how your show plays into those. And that's probably your best chance to get listed. Um, I know they also like like Apple, Spotify. Well, maybe less so Spotify. I know Apple is super big on indie creators. And so like they prioritize 
indie creators that are like people of color typically is is who they like to feature. So it's like, anyways, that's not like a, a tried and true thing. But, it, you know, think about how you play into what either they're featuring or like what their kind of like general, you know, goals are as it relates to DIMB, that kind of thing. And then like the roundup list would just be a pure play of like, if you did it internally, you, you know, like, let's say you're like a SaaS platform for developers or something like that. You would just like look up list like best sat like a best developer podcast or something like that and just try and get like added to that list. Yeah. I think that's, you know, any publication that would maybe you find publications that don't cover podcasts but are really big in that space and you say, hey, I put together this list of the top podcasts in the space. Do you want to turn this into a blog post? And then like, yeah, I'm gonna be ranked number eight on the list. So like just a heads up. So I think that could be an interesting play. So doing the work for them and then like just submitting it in. Yeah, that's clever too. Yeah, because it's free content for them. It's it's on the nose for like what they would share with their audience. Then yeah, like uh, I don't see why they wouldn't want to do it unless, you know, they get hit with that kind of stuff from like, you know, princesses of Nigeria and all that stuff. But but yeah, I think that could be a good play. Yeah, it's interesting, like looking at the website play, because a lot of people like if your podcast is not being found sort of organically, like within Apple or within Spotify or something like that. Like Spotify, from what I can tell, like running some some strategy sprints over the past year for brands is like, seems to be very keyword driven. Like they seem like maybe more early days. Cause like, if you search the same keyword within Apple and within Spotify, like they're, they're like, there's like a 70% overlap, give or take like in results. But Apple definitely seems to be like prioritizing more like hidden metrics where like Spotify is more keyword based. So we've always recommended like people try and throw a keyword in the show description to get discovered or something like that, but, or in like the title itself. So Podchaser, you know, the IMDB of podcasting, I think there's, uh, I've, I've talked to some of the, the team members there and like they rank really well for like top X podcast. And so there's a play there also where you could create like a, a list. You can do that on their website where you create a list of podcasts, top, you know, and you can make it uh, very targeted. So it's like you're trying to attract, I don't know, consultants or that's not, that's pretty broad. But anyways, you'd say consultants in the swimming space. You could create the ultimate swimming consultant <laughs> playlist and create that on Podchaser. And then that'll, that'll rank really, really well because they have great SEO juices already. And that could be an interesting play. And then also, as I mentioned, it's like the IMDB of, of podcasting. So if you list out all the guests you've had and like, let's say you land a Gary V or whatever, and then you just have a better chance of like ranking in their algorithm for anytime Gary V comes up. So it's like small things like that, that, that don't take a lot of ton of effort, but can potentially have some interesting awards. Yeah. That's super amazing. Is it like so when you select the list, are you choosing from like a catalog that they're scraping? So you're just like selecting the shows you want in your list? Yeah, I mean they've they've got they have every podcast just like any of these databases have they have every podcast on there and so yeah you just search your podcast and ten others in your space and then put them on that list I think you need even make like episode playlists and so you maybe just say the best of swimmer consultants or whatever and you can create a list uh, an episode list just for that that could be another play there yeah that's uh, that's amazing man I appreciate all of this it's like. And that also that also carries over for Spotify too. You could create a, a playlist of your episodes on Spotify. So, yeah, that, that could be interesting too. To like share on social, embed on your website, or just like use anywhere. Yeah, that and who knows? Maybe you know the algorithm picks it up, and now every time people type in swimming consultants, I don't know where the fuck I got that from. But anytime someone types in swimming consultants in Spotify, you're the top of the list. Amazing, I love it. All right. I want to be respectful of your time. I've got a listener question to ask you and some like uh, rubber meets the road. I mean, it's already been pretty rubber meets the road, but advice for other people. So a lot of people listening will be like marketers running podcasts at brands. Like they've just started, they've just launched or they're looking at start in 2022 or they've been running their show for a year. They have 500 downloads or a thousand downloads a month. You mentioned some of the first things you do to help them grow. This is maybe a hard one to answer, but like, when is it time to rethink the content versus like your growth strategies. Like I think something people miss is how good like my first million is and probably would be, it would not be as big as it is without efforts of yours and the rest of the HubSpot team and the things you guys are doing for sure. But it would, you know, it's going to be a, a big show just by virtue of it. When is it time? So kind of flipping growth on its head, like 
I know it's nebulous, but like, are there any telltale signs looking at metrics that you're like, maybe this isn't like a growth effort problem. Like maybe we need to rethink like making shorter or pivoting the direction or changing the niche or something like that. Yeah, that's a really good question. And Sam's mentioned that a few times. Sam Parr, the, the host of My First Million, he's like, I mean, one of the big reasons why we have gotten so popular is because we have improved the content over time too. It's like, that that's something that kind of gets swept under the rug is like, we have two full-time researchers that are helping Sam and Sean with getting some of the the bits that you hear in the podcast. A lot of it is them honestly just like ad-libbing and them just like going off script, but like they have a shit ton of research there at the ready so they can say, you know, a few interesting things that then we can turn into a soundbite or whatever. So that's something that I definitely can't get understated. So, I mean, I think test things and see what the results are for sure, but like also just take uh, reviews you're getting or feedback on the streets from your friends or whatever is as like pretty high. If you're not getting any good feedback, then that's probably a sign that you have a not interesting show or whatever. I think you can kind of get a sense for like what's good content. And if people are resonating with it, just based on feedback from people in your circles. And then, you know, yeah, I think if you try like this, like micro content strategy that we've sort of talked about a little bit where you're taking the bits and turning them into micro piece of content, you don't have to say that like, okay, if this video doesn't get 50 likes or whatever, it's like a bust, but maybe you maybe like take some of those comments to heart that people leave or whatever. So I, I don't know. I, it's kind of like imperfect, but if you get a sense that you're creating good content from whatever you tell yourself inside that makes you feel good as well as people leaving like positive reviews or, or maybe giving you constructive feedback. Sometimes that's even, that's even better than like just getting a bunch of bullshit. Like, Oh, your podcast is so good. It's like, no, tell me what sucks about it. I want to improve. So I think that kind of stuff is really valuable in terms of like getting real with yourself. If, if your content's good enough. I mean, all of it's good. I especially like taking clips and being like, Oh, consistently over time, this would require you to like catalog and categorize your clips. So you'd know this, but it's like over time, ones that cover a, B or C, always outperform. Like, let's add more of that in. Yeah. I just think that's something people miss a lot. You know what I mean? Is like, they're going to go right to like, okay, we like, we did the thing. We started the podcast, the, the SAS for lawyer, like we're SAS for lawyers and we're like the lawyer podcast. And it's like, how are you differentiating from all the other lawyer podcasts or a swimming consultant podcasts? You know? Yeah. I just think that, that like, that's something that's super challenging. People, you know, need, need to revisit. All right. So I have a question here. If you got hired to grow... Actually, let me ask this listener question. I think that's going to be more relevant. All right. So Tim Davidson from Directive Agency, the the ad agency, wants to know, what's the biggest thing you would do different if you were starting a podcast for the first time, but knowing what you know now and like growing it? Yeah, I think it's... If you're a business, understanding what your business goals are and being realistic about them. So like I always say, if your goal to start a podcast is to try to like get to the top of the charts, like good luck. It's going to be really fucking hard. Even with a show like My First Million, like, you know, it's still really challenging. So I think first thing first is just like get real with yourself. Do you want to do it for the cloud or do you have other business goals? If you have other business goals, then perfect. Podcasting is the perfect thing for you because you can use it as a way to build relationships. You can use it as sales collateral. You can use it for so many things like that. So, but if you're looking at it from a hobby perspective and you want to grow it, you know, into like, I'm pointing to Dark Knight Diaries because this is an indie podcaster who started as a hobby while he was doing it. Uh, while he's working as a software engineer and now he does it full time. He's the exception and he's got a ton of really good resources to explain like how he grew the podcast and all that stuff. So I definitely recommend checking that out. But I think for most people to pull that off is very difficult. And so you have to ask yourself, is this something that I would want to do for five years on this topic? You know, basically like and never get bored of it. And yeah, like you can you can say, oh yeah, of course I want to interview uh, people who do interesting in podcasting space for five years. But do you want to do all the the 95% of the stuff behind the scenes that it takes to get that episode recorded? That's what you have to get really real with yourself about is like, okay, I love to show up and, and press record and then be on my merry way. But the truth of it is, is like 95% of it is all the behind the scenes stuff that takes way more work than the finished product. So 
if you love doing all that stuff and see yourself doing it for five plus years and all that stuff, then definitely do it. Or maybe it's just like a fun hobby and you like to do it every week, every month. And it's just like fills your soul. I think that's great also. Yeah, I love that. I think it's... um, I like the idea of going back to that foundation because I do think there's a lot of unrealistic expectations. Like we like we have seen that and it's a matter of like, oh, I want to be at 10,000 downloads. Like It's like, this is going to take a lot longer. Like I forget, you know, what the stat is off the top of my head, but it's something like if you break like 500 downloads a month, you're more, you're like in the 60th percentile, like seven, you know, some like 50th percentile of like all podcasts. So being okay, it's always funny to me how people are like, they would fly across the country to speak to like 500 people or like a thousand people. They're like, heck yeah. Like I got invited as a keynote speaker, but then you're like, are oh, you going to get 500 downloads a month? And like, and of like consistent listenership of like, and they're like, nah, it's not really like, you know, worth it. Yeah, exactly. So it all comes back to like, yeah, business goals in that sense. If you have 500 people who listen and like three of those people turn into customers and that ends up paying for your podcast plus some like the production and all that stuff. And ideally these are like, you know, if you're doing something super niche, like, like legal status, like one client can be worth 10 X what, you know, what you need to sustain the podcast. So I don't know, these are all things that you've covered in previous episodes and you well know, but like the dollars and cents you tie to 300 listeners can have exponential uh, results. If you pick the right niche, if you have like the right messaging, all that stuff. Yeah, it's super interesting. I'm going to get to talk with the team behind Ahrefs wrote an article on how they, I think it, this is all off the top of my head, but I was just doing the research. I think it was like 15 or 16,000 uh, dollars sponsoring shows like a few years ago. They, they wrote this article about it. And basically, yeah, basically it was like for anyone who hasn't read it, we'll link to it in the in the show notes. But basically it was like they ended up spending like $1,200 per like form submission, you know, if they factored it that way. And so they were like, all right, we know we're never doing this again. And then they ended up going to all these in-person conferences and all these people kept coming up and being like, I heard you on the podcast. I heard you on the podcast. And it was like this light bulb moment of, um, of like, oh, wow. Like, of course they're not going to like hear about us for 30 seconds and like purchase an advanced software product. The whole thing was like brand recognition, like top of mind, brand affinity, like people were coming up and were like, thank you for, you know, it's cool that you sponsored my favorite show. So it was all this like brand building stuff. And like the moment they pivoted the, I, I don't know if you call it like their expectations, but I know they later put out a second like video or article on how like now they're moving to like $200,000 like sponsoring. So I'm excited to chat with them to like, to learn more about that. But to your point, it really matters like getting your foundations right. All right. Last question. And I think this will be an easy one for you. Where do you continue to go? Where have you been going lately to continue learning about the podcast ecosystem? What inspires you, gives you ideas? I think people... I just want to say for for people listening, like marketers don't appreciate how much of a blueprint and a, a road has been paved for things like SEO or copywriting or like website conversion. Like it's pretty easy to find that stuff. Like you, re- there's not a lot out there for podcasting. So, if someone was interested in learning more about growing podcasts and just innovative ways to use them, like what they think the future of audio is, where have you been going? Yeah, I think the smartest people and the people who are most transparent about what's going on in podcasting are one Jack Reiser. I, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, but the host of Dark Knight Diaries. He does really good, comprehensive write ups about his results every year. And gives you all the download numbers, all like the dollars he spent. So that's a really great resource. And then I think Tom Webster is probably the sharpest guy in podcasting. And he's got a newsletter called I Hear Things. He's also got an audio version of it. And he's just always dropping like just bombs of wisdom of kind of where he sees things. He's been in the industry for, you know, 20 plus years, 30 plus years. And so, and he's also the head of, I might butcher his exact title, but like basically the head of of Edison Research. So he is the one who's like giving presentations on Infinite Dial, which is like the listening report in podcasting. He's like the oracle of podcasting is kind of what I allude him to. He just has so much like data, knowledge, all that stuff. And so he's got a semi-weekly, sometimes monthly uh, newsletter and podcast called I Hear Things that is super valuable. 
then you know just keeping tabs on on a uh, uh, pod news which is like the you know daily podcast newsletter that i read every morning and just seeing oh spotify released this thing or whatever those are kind of the main ones and then yeah like when basically when i see spotify releases something i just like go deep and like be like oh cool like cuz i'm i'm a spotify spotify fanboy i i love spotify i think there's aspects of them building this like you know walled garden that that are like problematic for podcasters but i love the platform i like where they're trending and i think if you're trying to target a younger audience an audience that at least like i resonate with that's where they mostly are and so i'm super interested with anything they do and and i think they're doing cool things in the music to audio space like like bridging those two worlds with cool features like that they're you know slowly going to be rolling out videos and podcasts that kind of stuff and so I think there's a world where they become like the TikTok of audio and I'm keeping I'm keeping a super close tab on like anything they release because I want to be at the ready to double down on that cuz I think it's going to be the best discovery mechanism for podcasting is if they were to build basically like a TikTok feature within their platform which they more or less kind of already are I mean they acquired a company that tried to brand themselves with the TikTok for audio and it was actually a pretty cool uh, platform so I'm interested to see how they mesh that with podcasting. So long story short, those three channels plus like keep a close eye on Spotify because they're doing cool shit. Amazing. I have goals for the listeners listening to keep this to 30 minutes moving forward because we've always been like, like long. Um, but dude, it's, I just couldn't. It's too much fun talking to you and you're a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing people everything that you're learning. I'm so excited for your new role, man. You and the team are going to do amazing things. I think HubSpot, I'm bullish on HubSpot and its continued growth. And um, where can people go if they want to keep tabs on you, follow up with you, see what you're doing? Yeah, uh, you can just Google my name, Jonathan Barshop. Um, you'll probably see my Twitter, my you know all my socials. So just connect with me there. My DMs are pretty much open. And check out My First Million. I think if you're into this whole like business entrepreneurship and like podcasting world, there's something in there for it for you. I recorded an episode recently, so I'm just going to pe- tell people to go check out that episode. It's called Greatest Hits Volume 1. And it's basically just like the best moments of 2021. So that would be a good sort of like entry point if you've been hearing this thing I've been saying all episode My First Million. You're like, what the fuck is this? Go check that out. Okay, awesome. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. If there's a company you'd like us to interview or a question you want us to answer on the show, just let us know. You can ask us at brandsthatpodcast.com or DM or tag Lemon Pie on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram. And if you want to reach your audience on podcasts that they're already listening to, be sure to check out lemonpie.fm. Lemon Pie.